Stable Hands podcast for episode 7. I'm Eclectic Tech and I'm really glad that you could join us. This week I talk with Brendan from Samplegate Stables. We dive deep on the recent Beat the Beasts tournament organised by McGuinness Racing. We dive into how much fun this tournament was to run, to be a part of, and also what the future of these type of tournaments might be for the ecosystem. As usual, we chat to Brendan a lot about his stable, how he's running it, and any other great ideas he has for Zed going forward. So without any further ado, let's jump right into it with Sample Gates Stables. Well, welcome back to the show. Uh, this week, we've got Brendan from Sample Gates Stables, um, and we're here to talk about a bunch of awesome stuff that's been going on in Zed in the last couple of weeks, um, but most notably... Uh, McGuinness Racing's Beat the Beasts, uh, fantastic tournament that um, Brendan and I both had fun getting crushed in together. So, um, Brendan, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks very much for helping me out. Yeah, thanks for having, having me. I'm uh, excited to speak on a pretty fun custom event, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I had an absolute ball um, from from the whole, you know, setup and the draft, and, and we'll get into the mechanics of it as, as we get into this conversation, but um, right up until the moment that, you know, my number one draft pick got crushed and came 12th, um, up until that moment, it was awesome. After that, I saw my future. <laughs> pretty pretty similar experience then for both of us uh, with the first overall pick, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to that later, but really cool format. Yeah, so before we do jump in, um, I'd like to just start asking everyone about like how did you get into Zed I'm, I'm really interested to to understand how people found this game and you know a little curiosity of me wants to sort of document all these like all the stables and, and how you got into Zed so ha- how did you get into Zed when did you get started yeah I think it was the spring of 2021 so we're coming up on two years as a stable been here a while like many others it was top shot but we actually had a group message with uh, myself, Chop Chop, who is a big part of the community, and two other friends where we would discuss Top Shot. And then uh, Darren Rovell is, I think you call him a sports reporter, maybe a gambling reporter. He works for, I think, Points Bet. I'd have to double check. But on Twitter was the first person I saw mention what Zed Run is. And I looked at it, took a peek, shot the link over to these guys that at least knew what Top Shot was, is... None of us had had cryptocurrency uh, prior to Top Shot. Nobody knew what MetaMask was and said, hey, this looks pretty cool. Do you guys want to buy a $500 virtual horse to get started? And we collected up some money and it obviously took off from there over the next two years. So that first horse, do you remember the name of the horse? And, and is it still in the stable? It is not still in the stable. We cleared it out pretty quickly, but to this day, maybe my favorite name of any horse uh, we've purchased or bred. Not that that's not the reason we chose it, but it was "You've Got Mail." Um, I just thought that's a great horse name. That sounds like a real racehorse. It was a Zabo exclusive that was pulling, I think, twenty odds, and we paid 0.2 ETH for it at the time. I mean, just a crazy market to get started made absolutely no money but we used it to uh kind of learn the game i'm sure we sold it around what we got it for and then tried to figure out (laughs) how to buy a horse that could not lose money on the track definitely the good old days when you could uh when you could flip a horse for close to what you paid for it um very interesting indeed and for those who are kind of newer to the game you talk about you know it was pulling 20 odds Talk a little bit about what, what were odds. Yeah, interesting dynamic, right? We've come so far that certain legacy things people would only know from maybe Know Your Horses that still shows that data. So when we think about Flames, right, Flames is just telling us show percentage, top three. That's all that matters, whether it's first, second, third. That's really for you to figure out as you discover your horse. Odds was simply like horse racing. What are the odds to win? Not second, not third. It was the best indicator of if you pull eight odds, that's telling you you got a one in eight chance to win this race, right? comes out at around 12%. Everything was top three. I actually just listened to somebody mention that, right? We only had top three for, I don't know how long, a really long time. Um, 
So the lower odds, it was a lot easier to identify horses that could win because you just looked at odds. The lower the odds, the better your chance of getting first. Didn't matter if that was due to distance preference, due to base ability, due to variance. Uh, that was really what you were looking for. And one of my favorite legacy pieces of Zed was no websites, I think right when we started, were actually showing race data. You had to go into Discord and there was an automated message that would populate, I think, every race and search your horse name. And it was just this paragraph of all 12 horses with their odds, the distance, the fee, um, just to kind of have an idea of what you were pulling. So we've come a very far way that I'm not sure uh, new users are always privy to. Yeah, I, when I started um, was, I guess, after you guys for sure, um, because flames were the thing odds had just been taken uh taken away um and there were tools around that showed race data like there was stack and um well z lead now um and know your horses and there was a few tools around that kind of helped um help show the data um even though it took me an awful long time to start to figure out what any of that data meant and i think i'm still on that journey to be honest you know <laughs> yeah I mean, all... for the record for the record we did not utilize odds well at all i mean i don't think we bought a horse that had under 11 odds and we bred bred one uh over that summer of 2021 that started pulling i think eights and we were like oh man we're on and sure enough now it's you know a 1.0 variance monster uh bootleg and c5 but yeah it's uh it was different yeah, and it's quite a, it's it's been an interesting journey for sure. So, from those early days of like that that first horse, how many horses are in the stable now, and and how many are you actually running? Yeah, I think we've settled around 120, 130 total or so. Um, I have a Google sheet where I've documented every horse that we've ever owned, um, bred, purchased, and then sold off. So that exists somewhere we'll see if it loads i would guess we've had ownership of probably 300 300 to 50. Um, we are really not a marketplace stable by any means we do very little selling buying uh, we like to race uh, we think we just hit the six thousand win milestone um, my partner chop chop probably accounts for 75 80 percent i probably account for the other 20 but we've just been a long time. We race. We are not trying to flip for profit. Uh, we are just now coming around to uh, being better at using the secondary market rather than breeding um, due to recent meta changes. So, yeah, probably around 120 total. Um, if I had to guess how many we actually race, I mean, paid racing, if I had to guess 20, 25, um, yeah. and then maybe half the stable sees the track on free days. It's a lot, even for two people, um, to manage. I think 50 is kind of a sweet spot and we really succeed, you know, when the tournament formats are changing and it's okay. Who's the best for pity point? Who's the best for KOW? And you can hone in on, you know, that subset of 25 horses or so to run that given day. Yeah, I think that's. The, the answer, right, is trying to have and build your stable to have a set of go-to horses that you know work the best for you in certain formats. Um, and it is nice to see, you know, Zed working on, on switching up these tournaments. Um, I love the Flash tournaments um, the, a couple of weeks ago, um, those Flash-free tournaments I just thought were, were awesome. The races were just popping off. It just reminded me of the old days when, you know, race selection kind of went out the window because you were just so trying to get something in the race before it before it filled and popped off. Um, and that was that was a good feeling to see that again on the site. Um, horribly biased from my view because um, I had my first tournament win in one of those flash tournaments ever. So um, obviously I'm going to have a soft spot and want to see flash tournaments every day now, live ops if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's balance on that for me because I love the concept. Um, and it certainly was a mash. It's not for everyone, the grind, but I think you can balance that. And, <laughs> you know, as much as you like them, they're probably not every day. Maybe it's once a week and it gives the free players, our geo blocked players, 
a chance to win some money. Um, I personally like the idea of shortening the window instead of the 24 hours. I think four hours, six hours, 12 hours could be really interesting as well to truly, when I think flash, I think quick log on, like you said, mad scramble to do that. What I think is really interesting, I actually spent today listening to uh, Ryan Trost on the Arbitrage Run show, was based on what they've experimented with the past two, three weeks of different formats, flashes, dailies, weeklies. They have a good indicator on what volume will be based on what they put out. And flash is a great one of we want to dial up volume, you know, dial up another flash. Uh, We'll see people flock in the free players and that's what you'll get. And they're balancing that. Um, It's a lot of experimentation now, which can cause frustration for the users, but they are seeing those patterns and I trust that they'll make good decisions based off that. Yeah. There's a couple of superb points you made there, right? Um, I love this idea of a flash tournament of four to six hours because the horse that I had um, win that sprint tournament, and I'll be the first to put my hand up and do it. Like I, I won, I think three of the first five races it was in and then went, okay, this is three of five. I've got, I've got my perfect record. Now it doesn't matter how many races I enter. And I started especially, and I did the double stamina thing because it works really well for us in Australia. I can race at night, get up the next morning and I've got four hours in the morning to race again with reset stamina. Um, it just works really well for my time zone. And that next day I was just banging it into every single race I could knowing full well that there was zero consequence. Um, and in fact, I was just, just upping my chances to, to stay on top of the leaderboard or, or close to the top of the leaderboard. So this four hour window, I think is fantastic. And then I can run, especially it works with the multiple time zones too, right? Like, so I can run with other people in my geo. Um, and that was one superb point I think is worth raising um, to the wider community. Um, and the other idea of just giving the geo-blocked players a go, um, that's really important, very important. Yeah, I think, you know, with every decision Zed makes, uh, it's great for some players and it'll upset some others. Because I even, right, we both kind of agreed it sounds like four to six hour flash, to me, is a great idea. I just thought about what happens if it goes off while I'm asleep in the U.S., Right, Not every single tournament is going to be for every single user or every single horse. It'll happen, and there will be people who will complain right, that they were asleep for this Flash tournament. Or So there's pros and cons of everything, but um, I certainly think there's more room for experiment, and you have to understand that's where we're at in the game, and it's going to open up so many more channels uh, as they continue to find that balance. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Um, me too. At the... Interesting thing, because like, I also caught um, Arbitrage Run. I actually watched it last night um, with Ryan. And I I really like the way he was thinking about it. I love the way he went into detail around, you know, what does it mean for volume on their infrastructure when they start to do these kind of things? Like there is so much on the back end. Um, just as one, one example, when he was talking about filters, when Kevin was like, well, why don't we have filters in the lobby, which is from a usability point of view, everyone's been after this for, I mean, why not, right? And then for Ryan to go in the back and say, okay, well, there's actually foundational back-end work in the race selection and the race generation engines that need to happen. Like, yeah, that's a big change. Um, and to get him talking on that level um, and being transparent on that level, um, I think it's only good, only good for the ecosystem. It won't, it won't change the noise on Twitter, <laughs> But nothing will. Twitter's Twitter. <laughs> the FUD's everywhere. Yeah, Ryan's job is not to limit the amount of complaints on Twitter. Uh, we're lucky that both him and Facundo are tuned in to sentiment. I think they raised that point as well. So it's good to have a pulse, but certainly not the goal. And, you know, I come from a background of uh, some data analytics, data visualization for my day job. And when you don't have people that understand Certainly Web3, the back end that goes into Zed is way over my head. So I'm by no means an expert. But exactly like you said, for me as a user or someone who builds dashboards or graphs, a filter is a very common, uh, easy change, right? It filters one. Dimensions and measures, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. How hard is that to get in there? 
until you hear someone like Ryan, I know he's not a programmer, but he's relaying for the programmers there. Hey, it is not that simple. I think sometimes the community forgets, right? Uh, It's not as straightforward as it seems. And there's a lot of pieces to this. So things are moving way quicker than they were back when odds were around. I can tell you that. Yeah. And the interesting thing that fascinates me watching, I guess, the ecosystem, um, and I don't discord much. I, yeah. I discord. I don't know. It, it just doesn't work for me. Um, so I'm kind of mostly on Twitter, and you've got to really take Twitter with a grain of salt. The the fud and the opinions on Twitter. Um, you know, you see the same people. Doesn't matter what the change is, everyone's upset. It's like, and it's always boils down to upset because I'm not making all the money in the game. Like, ultimately. Um, You know, you can't, like to your point, not all horses are going to have a spot in every tournament. Not all horses are going to be monsters. Um, This is what the game is. Uh, I certainly play it for fun. Um, I certainly don't play it for profit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's such a tricky thing. I think I said I don't use Discord as much either, but I do remember I sent this in the past week. Imagine if your day job was done in front of thousands of users that were constantly chiming in on your work. I mean, it would be miserable, right? Maybe you have a boss or two and they check in every once in a while on your work. Zed is, they're building in public uh, and they face a lot of critiques. I know one example, um, Chop is very close with Dan Chan now and Dan Chan does so much for the community, right? We think about Stack Next, we think about Z Lead, the custom tournaments. Uh, there's so much good and effort that goes in. And I know recently there was a leaderboard for, I actually don't remember the event. Was it the XP Showdown? Because I think Chop ran that for yes. us. I, I, don't, I don't do much it was weekend. The X- I know what you're about to talk about. Yeah, it was. Yep. Yeah, it was the, the XP, XP Showdown, showdown. Yep. on the weekend. And you know, in order to do that event, clearly Zed couldn't come up with a leaderboard on their own in that time, but it's a great idea. Let's try it out. You outsource the leaderboard and I'm of the opinion, Dan Chan could do a hundred good things for the community, but he'll hear more about that one leaderboard than all of the good things. Um, yep. And it still did make the tournament a success. So that's just working in public. Um, you have to have a thick skin. I think I certainly don't envy uh, <laughs> the Zed team or, or Dan in that respect. And that, that's a really good segue to actually to start talking, I guess, about um, what we sat down today to talk about um, and some of the things that come out of the community itself. Now, you, you kind of touched on the custom tournaments. Um, there's so much potential for the future of Zed here um, in custom racing and, you know, invite-only tournaments and all this kind of stuff. But let's, let's stop and talk about... Um, the, the recent event that McGuinness Racing organised, um, which, by the way, shout out, massive shout out to McGuinness Racing, organised it with zero rake. Um, and as I think you'll agree, like as we went through it and watched the amount of work that he had to put into that, I think there was a few people at the end saying, dude, you, you should have taken a rake. You should have, like, you should have been paid for this because it, it was a lot of work and you saw all the, the spreadsheets and everything he put out and, you know, organizing the draft. Um, for those of us, for those of you who listened um, and maybe don't understand what we're talking about, we're talking about the recent Beat the Beasts event. Um, so, Brendan, maybe if you want to give us a bit of an overview, what was that event um, and how is it structured? Sure. McGinnis, first things first, where's the tip jar? Uh, just like we said, right, is I think a lot of people felt that way. So the Beat the Beasts, in my opinion, is the closest thing we have had to a fantasy sports draft, if you come from that realm, if you're familiar with it, in Zed Run uh, to date. So some of the top staples in the game made their horses available for a custom race. So they weren't lent, uh, they weren't transferred to stables, but said, hey, you can register you know, our horses for a couple custom races. So what this Beat the Beasts tournament was, there were 36 stables that signed up for $25 each. Um, And there was a random draft order, knowing that there would be four races. You get four horses, four races. There will be one in each funnel and then a randomly drawn distance. So you need to prepare a team to handle all three funnels. Um... And there was a draft order. So that was a huge part of strategy. I'm sure we'll dive into 
but essentially you came away from the event with four horses that were not your own, but we're talking level 600 horses, upper 580s, the biggest names in Zed that I know for stables like myself, we don't have those caliber horses. We will maybe never have those caliber horses um, that run in those big tight pots. So just a really cool experience uh, to be a part of and also shout out to all the stables that went horses. Um, it was really nice as well with also, you know, no rake, no no profits going back to them. Yeah, and mass, yeah, massive shout out to everyone that was involved. Um, and let's just sort of dive into, you know, we talk about some of the biggest horses, right? Um, so some of the names we had to choose from, I'm just looking at the list now, right? So Ready, Set, Boom, Artois, Breathless Edge, Grandeur, Figured It Out, Third Head. Like you go down this list, there's 200 horses in this list um, and every single one is an absolute monster. Um, you know, the Shuffler, Starhead, um, Chromatic Head, Supreme Boom. Like I think Arb opened up his whole stable for this. Like you could just pick whatever you wanted to, to run. Um, it was really, really, really exciting. Um I think the the most fun I've had in Zed in ages was the stream with the draft. Um, and listen, it's, it's time to call it out. Like you got the first pick. You had you had the first pick of all of these horses. So do you want to talk through that when when you know how did that? Did you have that planned? Or this is what I'm going to go for first if I get first? Or was it a bit of a surprise and you you had to stop and think on the moment? So I think we found out we had the first overall pick, which is I'm happy that uh, I get to be a part of this podcast and talk on the topic because I think having the first overall pick is arguably the most stressful part, uh, all, all other than organizing like McGinnis did. So yeah, I think we found out two or three days in advance and Chop and I really discussed strategy for this thing. I mean, we were all in. Uh, I won't spoil the results, but didn't pan out. But man, did we really sit down and crunch strategy on this thing. And so I can say our three finalists for the first overall pick were Third Head, who we went with. Uh, Supreme Polarity came up in the discussion. And Solid Snake was another one I liked. If we had maybe the third or fifth pick, we go that direction. And I'd love to explain why. Um, one, variance. We want really high variance in this thing. There's so many good horses um, with Fibonacci scoring. We'll actually talk about, I'm sure, who advanced. And I, I found some nice tidbits on on scoring and things. So the second part about third head is the, the distances that it covers. Like we said, you know you're getting a mid-funnel race and you know you're getting a marathon plus a wild card. So having a high mid, we weren't upset if we had to throw third head in anywhere from, I would say, 18 to 24 and even... 1626 is not the end of the world. Um, so that was another big piece. And some of those high mids have that. You could certainly argue ready, set, boom could run down just as well. And at one point I did ask Chop, are we overthinking this? Do we just go ready, ready, set, boom? <laughs> and so here's the last piece that I think is really interesting just on the strategy, not only for the first pick, but as we chose which funnels to go with the second and third pick. If you look at that level list, if you sort the, the top horses in class one by level marathoners are at the top. There are so many high level marathoners because they have more distance preference. There's one extra marathoner. Those are the high levels. And this is a little nerdy, but I'm a sports guy. I'm a data analytics guy. When you think about wins above replacement in baseball, it's all about, you know, not who's the top end. It's if I take the next horse, what is the drop off? And for us, the marathon funnel, if I take Ready, Set, Boom with the first overall pick, there's Artois, Breathless Edge, Grandeur. They're all right there. And the drop-off of top 12-ish marathoners is much tinier, I would argue, than the advantage third head held in that kind of mid-marathon funnel. So we thought, you know, you take care of that. You cover a lot of distances. There are so many marathoners to choose from. We'll address that later in the draft. I had a similar strategy. Um, I think I had the 21st pick, which I didn't mind because I was kind of in the middle coming 
you know, because it was a snake draft, so down and back. So I was like, ah, okay, I didn't get the first pick. I didn't get the, some of the earliest picks. So I actually went, um, I went with a sprinter first. Um, I went with Breathless Edge, I think. Let me just double check that race selections. Uh, uh, Blood Duchess, sorry. I went with Blood Duchess first. Um, again, variants. Again, felt the pain of variants. <laughs> Came 12th in the race. But, you know, what are you going to do? Um, it was fun. The draft was awesome. But I tried to do that first and then sort of round out. I think I had a similar, um, a similar strategy. But interestingly enough, from a... Um, you know, my personal point of view, it's the first draft anything I've ever played in my entire life. I have no idea how these things work. Um, so very little strategy went into it. Um, I think we could hear on the draft stream the collective gasp of surprise when RSB didn't go first. And I think um, from memory, RSB was the fifth pick, the fourth or fifth pick, and it was delivered because there was a system in play that if you weren't present for the draft you got auto-assigned the next highest horse um, and someone picked up RSB who wasn't there. Everyone who had a selection chose another horse before RSB, which I, I found fascinating, frankly. Every, everyone must have been in a similar strategy. <laughs> yeah, a couple things. I don't think RSB could go anywhere past third. Um, yeah, it's we don't need to hype up that horse any more than it already is. Um, <laughs> similar to you. I mean, I, we could talk all the strategy third head got 11th for us uh, and it's one and yep. only race we were bounced on day one. So that's like you said, the downside of variance. Um, but yeah, just snake draft. I mean, that's the interesting part. There were people in chat that what is a snake draft? What does that mean? And, and right. It's for those not familiar, we had the first pick, you had the 21st and it goes all the way down to the 36th. Uh, team or stable who had the 36th pick when you start round two whoever had the 36th pick gets the 37th and it comes all the way back up so even though we had the first overall pick we did not get to pick again until 72 and 73 which maybe because we lost uh i don't think it's it's hindsight but i think first overall pick is not good for this format frankly there's so many good horses that the advantage you get from drafting first versus say 21st or 30th. Um, the winner, I believe Copper Penny Ranch was actually the 34th pick. So what does that allow? You get two of the first say 40 picks um, and can actually dive into those results as well. If we want to, his first two picks were twisted urgency and scoop dog. And when he made it to day two, those were his first two horses that ran Twisted Urgency won its first race, Scoop Dog won the second race, and it was over. Uh, <laughs> we didn't even really need the next two races. So, you know, it panned out that way. Like you talk about picks number 72 and 73, and if I just look at the draft pool, horse number 72 was the big boom theory, and then horse number 73 was pearly force. Like in the list of, they weren't obviously the draft picks, but, you know, some of the horses around 72 to 73, 74, chromatic theories there like everywhere we looked there was just monster monster horses so it was you know it was hard to understand i i didn't spend nearly enough time on i ran out of time i had a similar um a similar plan to you i was going to get the draft pool and go down and you know really enjoy digging a whole bunch of time through through Horku and all that kind of stuff to try and understand stuff and time got away from me so i just made a few random choices <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we probably put in too much time for our result <laughs> of taking a look at the horses, and we knew the funnel. Right, we knew we were going to do sprint and low mid with our seventy second and seventy third, and like I said, you know, take a flyer on a high variance marathoner to end it. But um, I mean, that's the fun part, right? Was to me, it was the strategy, uh, the ability to run some of these horses. And like you said, I know 72, 73, we were looking at all these monsters we would hope were there and people were jumping down the, the list that maybe did their research or picked out some big names. Um, but all part of the fun. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, it certainly was indeed. And for those again, who weren't familiar with, I guess the concept. So it was an event that was run over two days with 
the first day being essentially a qualifying um, to run on the finals day on day two. Um, both you and I were shown the door somewhat politely um, on on day one. For me, rather early on day one. Um, I think I did pull a second in the second race, so I was kind of excited about that. Um, it actually ran, it was good. The day one ran for us on a public holiday here in Australia. So we all had the day off and we could all actually kind of watch it in the middle of it, in the middle of the morning. So that was kind of exciting. Um, but yeah, we got shown the, the door pretty quickly. Um, but I do feel it's probably now's the appropriate time, Brendan, to point out that, that I did beat you. <laughs> I finished on, on 59 points, um, versus your 56, um, I don't know. I, what did we What did we come for? Twenty fifth and twenty fourth, or something, <laughs> in a in a tight battle for the wooden spoon. Right. Yeah. I guess that's one other thing to mention for those who didn't get to watch or weren't a part of it. When you think thirty six stables, there were three pools, so you randomly got put against eleven other stables, um, and the top what would that be four from each pool of twelve stable ranking wise, advanced to the finals. So I. Yeah, I'm not sure what we got in our pool, sixth, eighth, somewhere in there. But um, I think we pulled a fourth, a fifth, a fourth, and then it was all third head. We just need the one win and got the 11th roll. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you did. Looking at you, got 13 points, and again, it was the Fibonacci scoring system over four races across three pools. Um, and yeah, you guys did a 13, a one, which was the one that you were hoping would be better. Um, and then a couple of fourths for a total of 56. Um, I think I went 12th, 2nd, and then 9th and 12th. <laughs> so I, I got 55 out of my 59 was one race. So for those, just some shout-outs to those that actually that played really well. Um, pool A, which was the pool that I was in, um, the finalists went through were Rocket Science, Rocket Science Ranch, Gold Racing, Strawns Racing, and Chakras Barn. Um, pool B, JMO, of course, well done. Um, seems to be everywhere. Appspade Race Team, uh, Let It Ride Racing, and Melbourne Street Stables. Um, and this was the interesting thing about this FIB scoring system, right? So if you look at Melbourne Street Stables, they went five three five. So probably not feeling too good about the last uh, the last race, and um, and took out that last race for eighty nine points, and that actually dragged them uh, into the finals, which would have been a fun um, a fun thing to be watching. And your pool, MCMA Twin Stables, Copper Penny Ranch, Nana Musto Stables, and Emerald Aussie. Um, well done, John, from Emerald Aussie to pull in the finals for Pool C. Um, you know, obviously his time on this podcast was what um, was what gave him the luck for that. So, um, <laughs> but then there was, you know, some pretty pretty significant prizes um, in the finals day. Um, Six hundred and thirty US. Um, which is about forty-five thousand Australian dollars or something um, for first prize, and that went to Copper Penny Ranch. So well played, Copper Penny Ranch. And as you say, taking out the first two races, boom, boom, um, it's all done. Rocket Science Ranch came in second for one hundred and eighty US, and then uh, Emerald Aussie Stables took home the bronze medal for ninety dollars US. So um, again, with a pretty poor showing in the first three races, but actually taking that fourth race, um, the random. Uh, distance funnel, um, which no one really knew what was on. That was a, quite an interesting thing when we were selecting. You didn't know what the, the funnel distance was, um, which getting back to your early point about strategy made made that seem really important. Um, one other thing that, that really happened, which was I thought was excellent for the finalists, um, and again, shout out to Royd Rager. Um, they donated a, a UUU horse, um, and that horse ID is 514755, if anyone wants to look it up. It was a pretty well-bred um, horse, I think. Um, but that went to Gold Racing, and that was randomly selected from the finalists. So um, very, very awesome format with a, a, lot, of, a lot of effort that went into it. Um, so I did, we, we missed out on the money, but um, <laughs> I certainly had a lot of fun. Um, and again, Brendan, would you... Would you be interested in doing something like this again? Is that something you'd sort of participate? And what was the highlight for you from that whole couple of days? Yeah, I'll start with highlights. I jotted a couple down here, and then we'll we'll talk about maybe the future of events like these. Um, 
so Copper Penny Ranch, like you said, won. Twisted Urgency won both of its races. Maybe the MVP, uh, we were hoping it fell to us. It was one that we had our eye on. Was That's cool. Rocket Science Ranch, who, as you said, got second. Chromatic Head also won two races. So I think those were the only two that won both of the races they were in. Um, and as you mentioned with Fibonacci scoring, I noticed of the... 12 finalists that, you know, advanced from their pool, uh, 11 of the 12 finalists either got a win or had two seconds. So as we said, I think we were right with the variance strategy. You needed the, that 89 or the 55 really to have a chance. Um, as you said, I think the draft was nearly three hours on Twitch live when we did it, but it did not feel like three hours to me. I was having a blast, uh, updating the sheet, looking at who we want, um, so some of my favorite things from the draft were uh, Big Dig was one of the participants. He had college finals, I believe, and had no idea what was going on in the draft. Showed up, didn't know the format, anything. And he took his own horse with his first overall pick, Horizon Dawn. And right. that horse got second in its only race. So it paid <laughs> off. I thought that was hilarious. Um, I'll always remember Big Dig for that. I had not interacted with him before. Um one other note, ECS, East Coast Stables, actually my very first uh, Zed content appearance, probably a really long time ago. I haven't done too many. He got second to last, so I just wanted to give him a hard time there because we were uh, trash talking throughout the whole draft. It, was and then, so, it seems such an out of character thing for ECS to be, to be throwing some shade in the chat of that Twitch stream. Very out of character for him, I thought. <laughs> Yeah, I sense the sarcasm, maybe. Um, <laughs> and then my last, you know, I looked at all the teams, and I think Chop actually got on at the end of that draft stream just to analyze a bit. We loved uh, the team from Strons. I think I just pulled it up here. It was Y2K2K. I'm a blue bagger, confused penguin, and I believe the shuffler. I mean, that's just four horses that can win not only any race, but I would argue just about any distances. Like I think Y2K won the XP showdown marathon or something. Um, so enough to advance. And then <laughs> Y2K, I believe finished 11th or 12th in all three of its <laughs> races. Yeah. So those are fun storylines to watch. I mean, I know more about the best horses in the game, um, but those were some of the highlights and happy to talk about, yeah, would we do this again or the future of events like this? So one of the things uh, McGuinness was talking about, because which I think is a great concept, whereas like the owners of all these horses were very much interested in doing something similar, but for the stable owners racing each other's horses, but for higher stakes, like higher stakes in a in a similar kind of format. Um, what was really interesting the the concept here of being able to actually. I guess, live stream this to a bigger audience. Like this had the feel of something that could be incredibly popular, like to watch these to watch these things and to watch these monsters run against each other, knowing that, you know, us, the, the lowly proletariat, had a stake in, in each one of these races, um, which, was, which was super exciting. I think I, the, the interesting thing, like to get that out to more people as a, as a spectator event, I think in the future is is there, which is I, I would happily participate in another one of these. Um, I think the draft over the racing, um, I actually had more fun in the draft. It was the, some of the most fun I've had in Zed for a while, actually. Agreed. Um, lots Agreed. of trash talk, lots of trash talk back and forth in the chat. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, Avon um, Stables, Kyle did a great job um, running that. And um, obviously, you know, McGuinness, just working tirelessly in the background, updating spreadsheets and stuff like that. Um, watching him go through that process and then through the whole, I guess, all the administration of the racing, like going through and updating everything and keeping everyone informed on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. I was like, yeah. He did make a comment um, during the feed of the draft that like, geez, if he was going to do this again, some more automated tools would be, would be handy. And I think certainly as you watched him execute on it, I'm like, yeah, I feel that for you. They, there was a lot of work that went into that. so, Or at least a team even, right? I mean, I, yeah, I know, um, you know, Excel 
and he had some nifty formulas. I mean, the spreadsheet was great. I think we hopefully passed along a message to him that said so, but even just having right a couple people to help him out. Avon was great on stream, as you mentioned. Um, I would volunteer absolutely of, hey, McGinnis, you made this awesome spreadsheet. Let me hide some records for you while the live draft is going on your on stream so you can focus on recording the picks, you know, whatever helps. Um, like you said, you and I, as much as we enjoyed it, uh, in order to keep doing things like this, if McGinnis says, hey, I just need a little bit of help or rake, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, we're signing up either way. Yeah, definitely. And rake, or as you, I think you mentioned at the start of this, the tip jar, it's right. just throw him a tip for it. Um, yep. it, was, it was well worth. He put a lot of time into it. I know he didn't do it for, you know, financial gain, um, but he did put a lot of, a lot of effort into it. But this kind of opens a bigger question, I think, for me anyway, um, and I'd be interested to, to get your opinion on this. Like, is this the future of tournament racing for Zed? Like, is this something they should really dive into? There's so many people that kind of have been running these these custom tournaments. What what do you see as the right way forward for Zed for this, for this tournament format? Is it something that they should just take a back step and become the platform and start to empower creators? to drive this forward or is there still more is there still more value in Zed sort of running these tournament formats themselves and and having that on you know on the platform from a an acquisition um, prospect yeah I think the very first question you had there was is this the path forward for Zed and I never speak in ultimates or um, to be dramatic, but I think it has. Why to be. not? This is the internet. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just really not. Um, I, I try to hold the middle ground in most things I do in life, but I think it has to be the level of fun. I've been clamoring as, as we discussed at the beginning of the podcast, we've been around a long time and I've always said party mode, which is what we called it a long time ago, which is really just custom racing is the future of Zed. When you can build unique formats have them scheduled, run against your friends, run horses that aren't yours, right? That's that's where this is going, um, and I think it has to. Whether that's, you know, third-party hosted or Zed, um, I don't have a very strong opinion on. I think the more that is on Zed's website, um, the more traffic you'll gain just because going to other websites for the casual users, right, will always, um, I think, deter some traffic. But at the same time, and I'm sure we'll talk about maybe some other custom events. I have a list here that are doing similar things. Um, I mean, not not to say it's keeping Zed afloat, but when there are no tournaments, these custom, right? I'll spend $25 to do the Beat the Beasts again anytime. Um, and I wanted to quote something, again, I heard on uh, Ryan talk about an arbitrage run, and we kind of alluded to it earlier. The horses that were in Beat the Beasts, those names everyone will know Artois, everyone will know Ready, Set, Boom. Having some type of shift in the game to recognize stable owners, I think is really interesting. And that's a little bit what this was. I, you know, there were different stable owners that I had never interacted with before. I was really impressed, like I said, with Strawn's draft, um, other teams. I communicated with Rocket Science Ranch more than I probably ever had. And I realized how much profit that stable is making um, per month recently because it's just someone I interact with more. That when you shift the focus to stable owners, it drives the question, if budget, if horses were equal, who's really good at Zed? And I know people, delusional people, That's there's a strong opinion, think that if they had the horses arbitrage had, if they had the um, budget that arbitrage had, they could do the same thing. And one, no, you couldn't. And two, this is the type of format that levels the playing field, so to speak, right? Like we all had the same horses to choose from. You can strategize however you want. And those are my favorite types of events. Um, some similar ones like Dan Shan's Madness Tournaments. It's your whole stable. You don't know what distance you're getting. You know the class. You have to decide what horse to put up. It's not just run, you know, your two great beasts every single time the more strategy that comes into putting it on stable owners and you have to be dynamic, match the scoring format based on the horse, you know, you have those strategy decisions you have to make. 
um, I think you can really learn who gets the game too, which um, for us is a challenge. I'm not saying we're up there, but I'm up to the challenge to, to try to prove that we understand the game and most importantly, it's fun. Yeah, it does. It amps up the level of fun for sure. Um, one of the things I'd like to see, like you talk about race volume on, on the site and going to other websites and all that kind of stuff. I, I think there's a real opportunity and this is, you know, there's a lot of things for, for Zed to do before we get to this kind of stuff. But I'd like to see, you know, content creators own their own racetrack and almost like set up Zed like Shopify. You, you could have a Zed racetrack that, you know, is a, an NFT that you own and you could trade and sell. But you can then, like what Dan Chen does, right, go along and market your own races at your own racetrack um, and then you will see, you know, just that other level in the game where you might not be a racer, but you might now be a good promoter um, and your, your racetrack, you might have, you know, if you could set your own stakes and you could like everything still gets funneled back through white label APIs into Zed. Um, and you kind of, you obviously need that um, to have Zed sort of being the race engine and the, the back end to everything, but then let the content creators on the on the front you imagine what dan chan would do with something like that you imagine what some of the other content creators would do um the zed tournament um organizers and you could actually market your own events set custom um prize pools all that kind of great stuff um i think you know we talk about onboarding and getting volumes and and getting activity going i think that'd be it'd be fantastic to actually empower all these people that are really passionate um, to actually run their own races, your own custom formats. Like, I don't know about you, but I'd probably run, you know, a Butte Gen Cup or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it's all about, right? We'd have those niches and um, we would have ours and maybe join yours. I could be wrong. I believe Facundo on a Roid Rager and Iceberg Racing, um, was that a Twitter space maybe? Yep. Said something Aussie's, about... Aussie's talking yeah. Zed. Yep. Yeah, talking about stuff like owning a racetrack and and what that means of you know like you said dan's great at setting up different style formats i know was it the 357s like a year ago were super popular because it gave different horses a, a chance to run um some people it gives players another avenue right you have breeders you have racers you have people that play the market and flip horses you could have hosts um you know, I know for us, I don't know if we would still be in Zed if it weren't for the content creators when we joined. Um, Lucky Jack was a huge one on Pony Plug with Zook and some others, Doughboy. I mean, that's what just makes it fun. Chat races. Uh, <laughs> we always joke about giveaways. The giveaways were nice too, and uh, everything was crazily priced. But um, I'm really excited to see where it goes because I think you're spot on. I know Stable Duels is one that doughboy and zook are doing on knights of dgen right now cool format right and just because we can do customs and 1v1s now that's another avenue someone had an idea dan's got a ton of ideas i know again that knights of dgen they rumored uh seasons coming up i think uh this spring which i have no idea what that means yet but again right someone came up with the idea they're enabled by zed to pull that off well, similar to McGinnis, they do the organizing. They tell Zed who to put in what races, and they fill it. Um, I think we're in square one, but like you said, 2024, um, who knows where we're at as far as the content in the community goes. And the last thing I'll say on it is I'm really encouraged. You know, there was some, uh, I think, negative sentiment probably in the last year, at least maybe the old team of content creators not feeling support. From Zed in the past, I don't know if it's just me. I think since Racing 2.0 has launched, it's either reinvigorated content creators, either racing is just more fair now, or Zed team has placed an emphasis on it because I think it's one of the best times of content in Zed. Um, you know, Dan does a ton. There's Avon streams, uh, Hail streams. Like I said, the Knights of Degen. You have crypto sonar, whether it's chat races, um, you know, these custom tournaments, zombie racing will get back in the fold. Lucky Jack will plug into this new maiden. The more you get those events, um, I mean, zombie racing tournaments were our favorite thing in all of Zed 
a year and a half ago. So I can't wait. There's just so many ideas that can be enabled um, with kind of that partnership. And I know it's kind of cheesy when it comes from Zed Run uh, <laughs> social media accounts, but it is a pretty nifty community. There's people a lot smarter and a lot more creative than I am. But when you enable uh, those ideas to kind of bubble up and you're, we're going to get some really cool stuff just like this event, right? This is a great, great example. Yep. So can you talk a bit about zombie racing? Like I, it took me a long time to get, I guess, closer to the community. I would, you know, again, for anyone that's sort of new to Zed, um, let me serve as an example of what not to do. But I tried to play this game in isolation by myself for a long time. Um, uh, and it cost me a lot of money, <laughs> short story. Um, but so I, I wasn't around for the zombie racing. So can you explain what those tournaments were? And you also mentioned like chat races. What What's a chat race and how does that work? Yeah, we'll start with the chat races. So for us, um, the, the original was Pony Plug. It was Lucky Jack and streaming on Twitch you know, a race, we're going to do a C2, $2.50 race. If you win, if you're in Twitch chat and you win the race, Lucky Jack will spin a wheel. And if you land on a horse on the wheel, he'll give it away. That's simplifying it a bit, but all of a sudden I'm waiting. He's going to pick a race. There's 40 people trying to jump in this one. Okay. I got in it. And then you're cheering on that horse like crazy because again, he gave away probably too many horses. I mean, it was overly generous but it's that sense of racing people in chat like you said the draft was so much fun for this because of the live chat aspect um i know i think crypto sonar is probably one of the biggest chat racers now on on twitch another good stream and then zombie um i would argue zombie racing is the reason that we have tournaments on the zed platform they were third party it would track 25 races and use something like their own custom scoring. I think it's actually Formula Z now. I think Zed did end up adopting it. And it was sign up your horse, um, run 25, and then at the end, you know, we'll pay out hundreds of dollars if you're in the top 10, because maybe 200 horses sign up. You know, there was no limit on qualifiers. And we lived for those events. You know, it'd be maybe like a 0.025 ETH entry, which at the time was maybe a little expensive for us, but we got a horse that's in C5. It can win, you know, six uh, races in a row at minimum. Shout out to After School Pancakes. Anybody that's been around for a really long time knows that horse. Um, and it was so much fun. And then Zed adopts that. And so go check out the Zombie Racing Discord if you're not in it because they've taken some time off. But I just got a notification, I think, in the past week or two that they're looking um, to ramp things up again. And one of the biggest barriers was you actually had to buy an NFT token to sign mm -hmm. up for their tournaments, um, which was a little hassle that he's now removing that and is going to have it, I think, similar to just be a uh, ETH or WEATH payment. So one more barrier of entry kind of down. Um, like I said, just another person that will have, you know, now that I say it, it wasn't as simple as just formula z tournaments they had color bashes and it was only these colors can race and they had kind of pity point before pity like a shape of you got points for sixth seventh and eighth um i got we plenty of those horses of those. <laughs> yeah right um i'm still hoping they bring maybe unpopular opinion i'm hoping they bring back pity point scoring for one of these it's been like a month since we had pity point scoring but we just have a bunch of glue that can run a shape so yeah i mean so question for you on Pity Point. Um, the finals for Pity Point, should it be the same scoring? So if you come fourth in the final, should you win in a Pity Point tournament? Or uh, That's always confused me. I've always thought, well, you should run the finals and if you come fourth, well, it's a Pity Point tournament. You come fourth. Like yes, the Anton 357 because, kind of thing, right? Yeah, I do believe in that because the the strategy then is whatever funnel you're in, you run your worst distance in that funnel you'll get enough fourths and fifths to qualify and then the tournament races at your best distance and your good horse wins when it's supposed to be a tournament for other horses so yep i'm hoping they can shift the payout you know from first second third to now we have top two we have double 
you know, double ups that they can shift the payouts to four, five, six eventually, um, which I think is a pretty controversial statement because people argue it's horse racing. You should be trying to win, but um, throw us a bone, right? For us, yeah. to got ah, a look, whole lot of it's, it's digital horse racing, right? It, it, yeah. That's the, part of the fun is, you know, you can do all these crazy things where you're actually trying to find a home for, for all your horses because, you know, without a without a burn mechanism, like my, my sleeper stable just fills up forever. Like, it's, you know, to, to your point, you, you're not running all your horses. You, you find a place for 10, 15, 20% to run, depending on the format. Um, and then away you go. You've got you've got all these horses that just gather dust in the background. So um, it's very interesting um, future in line for us with the the whole tournament piece. And uh, as I say, I think this is one of the first. I've, I've ran a, a Lucky Jack maiden a while ago, um, and I think I've been in one of Dan Chan's tourneys. Um, this is the first one I actually really really dived into, and the the beat the beast. And I had so much fun. I I. Hopefully we'll, we do it again because um, it was a really, really exciting. As I say, the draft for me, I might just do it just to be in the draft again. <laughs> just run the draft. They, they were a lot of fun. Um, yeah, anyway, so um, so we're kind of almost at time, uh, Brendan. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, I'm really glad to hear that someone else had as much fun as I did um, talking about this. And I know I kind of we, we chatted on Twitter, I think, shortly after the draft. Um, might have been or after the first day and, and I was like hey I'd be really interested to, to do a, a, a breakdown on this and um, you were straight away yeah I'd love to so so thank you very much um, for helping us out um, with that I'll probably we'll, we'll wrap it up here um, is there any other final thoughts on Zed that you want to want to share with us like what's the future for Sample Gates yeah um, I, I think there is one note that I had left and these types of events, not specifically beat the beasts because <laughs> I don't know if maybe we have one horse that if they ever do double up, beat the beasts, we got a five ninety or something that maybe somebody would want to run. Other than that, what these custom tournaments have made me want to do is I want a horse for not only every class and every distance, I want a double up horse and I want a variance horse for almost every distance at every class. Because I think if, you know, our content creators, our tournament organizers are as clever as I know they are, there will be a profile of every horse. And that brings the strategy into it, right? Of, oh, I randomly got selected a C5-1400. And so that's where I see it going on, on one aspect of we are a lower budget stable. We don't make too many big splashes and the market, I mean, is as cheap as it's ever been, I think, to especially for double up horses um, that we're doing more shopping than breeding now. I think what to look out for sample gates. Uh, I don't want to jinx us. We are, for the first time, I think, trying to compete at a higher level. Um, we've been buying up some C1 horses. Anyone that sees us on the track knows we enter a lot of races. So leveling um, is not an issue for us, but we've kind of stuck, you know, with our low budget horses and lower classes. And as much as we play the game, as many hours we put into it, as much as we enjoy it, um, I think we're finally starting to make a push of, Hey, why not, why not try to get some horses that uh, can compete and maybe one day be in a, a beat the beast. So that's my goal is just to try to play the game at a higher level and really challenge ourselves. Yeah. Nice. Well, we look forward to, uh, will it be beat the beast two or beat the beast 10 where we see some uh, some sample gates horses. <laughs> yeah yeah 10 10 is probably more accurate <laughs> yeah yeah i will see i've got uh, a couple of c1 horses that i'm like slowly sort of trying to grind up and we'll um i don't have much faith on any of them if i'm honest <laughs> i've got one that's got a little bit of variance that that may be useful if i can put the time in but we'll wait and see um that might be beat the beast 485 by the time we see that one <laughs> Yeah, if they're not too good in that segment now, um, yeah, maybe don't make the grind to 700, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to magically get good when it gets to 585. Um, 
But yeah, with that, um, I really enjoyed uh, the conversation, Brendan. Thanks so much for spending the time with us. And until next time, uh, we'll see you on the track. Yeah, thank you for letting us out. It was a pleasure.